This week we're talking about storm photography with Mike Olbinski, and you're listening to the Landscape Photography Podcast. Is there anything more intimidating and more exciting than storm photography? I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm looking forward to this episode because I've been a fan of Mike's photography for a long time, as well as his time-lapse photography. You need to check him out before we get started on the interview. If you've not already checked out his work, his name is Mike Olbinski. You can find his work over at MikeOlbinski.com or just do a Google search or a YouTube search to see some of his time-lapse and his amazing photography. He photographs some of the biggest storms in the Southwest. He leads photography storm chasing workshops, really cool guy. And we had a really cool conversation with a lot of, a lot of little nuggets in there. So I think that you guys will like this episode. So with that, let's jump into this week's episode where we talk about storm photography with Mike Olbinski. So I'm sitting down with Mike Olbinski. How's it going, man? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. I've been wanting to come on for a while and um, I'm, it's going great. So um, thanks for having me. No problem. And, you know, second time's a charm. I <laughs> got it. I totally pronounced his name wrong the first time. So we re-recorded in, uh, in total transparency mode that we're in. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, so I've been a fan of your photography forever, um, wow. just because I am a, a lover of dramatic, scary weather, and nobody captures it quite like you, man. I'm excited to have you on. I, I mean, storms are just, the, the fun thing about storms is that they're always different, and you just don't know what yeah. you're going to get, um, whereas, you know, obviously you can go to landscapes and uh, locations you know, like Yosemite, although Yosemite is always different whenever I see people's photos of it. But, you know, a storm on a wide open plain, you have no idea what you're going to get. And that's kind of the fun of it. Yeah, I've always told people that if you want to feel small and yes. insignificant, there's two things that you photograph. You photograph big surf and then a lightning storm or in your case, like massive storm cells with tornadoes and stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you know, it's kind of like the you know the the thing with wide angle lenses when you've seen a photo of horseshoe bend you look at the photo and you're like, that's really amazing and then you go there and you're like this place is so much bigger than any photo yep. has ever made it out to be and so so storms are like that too because most people are shooting storms with a wide angle and, and when you're out there they're just gigantic and they're scary and the lightning you know starts to strike behind you and things just get hectic and um and they're just they're just massive you do feel pretty you do feel pretty insignificant yeah a lot of landscape photography it's almost like uh it's like meditation it's zen you know mm -hmm. <laughs> but not yep. storm photography storm <laughs> photography is like war photography like your yeah. life is on the line yeah. and you're running yep. for your life and you're trying to just react before it gets to you yeah, there can be there can be these moments of Zen when you have a a storm that's not so dangerous and it's not really coming at you, but it's the colors are going crazy and there's lightning yeah. striking and you know you're in a safe spot. So there are times, but as a photographer, of course, you don't necessarily sit there and enjoy the Zen moment because you are usually scrambling and trying to get your settings right and making sure you're not missing anything. But but there can be that when you're chasing supercells and tornadoes. That's when 
um, there's really hardly a moment to relax because you are just looking at road networks and looking at the radar and mm-hmm. making sure that the storm's not coming right at you and dropping a tornado on you. It's pretty crazy. And man, when it comes to storm photography, the, the craziest thing is the cloud structures that you get in the sky and some of the crazy like color palettes and stuff that you'll get in, in a yeah. storm cell. It's just, it's weird how they almost create their own colors with the, with the different cloud structures. It's, it's unbelievable, actually, considering, you know, a lot of times, especially out on the plains, these supercells form with the same kind of dynamics with winds blowing at certain um, coming from certain directions at um, from certain levels in the atmosphere. And they cause the atmosphere to spin and these storms go up and they spin and they rotate. And but no matter how often, you know, that, you know, you think you have the same kind of dynamics, the storms are always just their own living organism and they do their own yeah. thing and they can be over you know, green fields and have, you know, a greenish, you know, tint to them and blue from the hail, or, you know, I've been had a storm at sunset over, you know, a, a harvested cornfield that looked like the end of the world and the sun was going down. It was just all oh, orange awesome. and apocalyptic. I mean, even standing there in person, it looked like the end of the world. I mean, these, the colors they take on is just, you, you just never know. And that's, you know, again, that's that mystery and that, you know, I don't know that, that stuff just drives you because you just like today could be, I could get one of my best shots you know i've ever gotten because who knows what these storms are going to do storm photography is almost like the the roller coaster of landscape photography because it gets your heart rate up you get excited a little bit scared that's probably what makes it so addictive (laughs) excited moments and definitely a lot of fearful moments where i'm like can i outrace this you know can i get through this hail or can i you know skirt this without anything crazy happening so um there can be you know a lot of most of the time i'm not in any real danger i'm sure because i play it pretty safe but there are times just in your head you get too close and you know the clouds are rotating above you and the hail's coming down and so it can be it can get a little bit it can be a little bit crazy for those that don't already know i live kind of in southeastern washington where we don't get tons of those kind of storms but we do get the occasional like early summer lightning storm that comes through and i i love lightning storms and this was my very first year of photography so i was a total noob out there with my (laughs) canon rebel and and (laughs) kit lens and stuff and and i was photographing lightning uh lightning storm coming through and then all of a sudden there was like this secondary cloud structure along the ground and it's super crazy rare never seen it since but there was this haboob that came through it was the most incredible thing that wow. I've ever seen because we never get that. That's and it crazy. Just, and I'm like looking up, like looking for lightning and stuff. And then all of a sudden there's this haboob coming under it and it came <laughs> in so fast. Like I get chills talking about it. <laughs> there's very few other types of photography that they can kind of, I don't know, give you that reaction, that oh, reaction yeah. of like, I'm in danger, but this is awesome. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's amazing. I can't believe you get a dust storm up there, especially considering you said you're near the Palouse. That it's all I see yeah. is green. Like, where does the dust come from? Right. Um, but that's but you're right. Um, I, I think it's really cool how photography can, if you get the right moment of a storm, uh, the colors or you know that dramatic you know dust storm rolling at you or a lightning bolt. You know, it, every all that stuff just adds like layers and layers of drama can just make a photo like that so much so much more powerful and you know inspire you as well. 
So to do it successfully, like you definitely do, obviously you've had to have educated yourself in some way. Like it's not something where you're just like looking at watching the local news and you're like, oh, there's going to be a storm. I'll just go out to my favorite place and watch it roll in. Um, how have you educated yourself on on weather in general? I, you know, I grew up, I mean, I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. It's where I live and I grew up with storms. So I kind of, they've always been in my blood because out here, you know, it gets so stinking hot. And so when a thunderstorm, you know, boils and comes in and during the summer, you know, that rain will drop and it'll cool off the temperatures from like 105 down to 75 and the lightning is crazy. So people out here love the the monsoon we get. That's our monsoon season, our storm season in the summer. And they love it because that's just, you know, otherwise it's just sunny and um, mm -hmm. boring for the most part. So I grew up with it and I started, you know, in my probably my 20s looking at radar all the time and kind of learning how the patterns of how storms worked. And um, and then and then later when I when I started really getting into it, I think in the about nine or 10 years ago, the Storm Chaser show was on Discovery Channel. And, you know, I had seen Twister and all that, but I had no idea that people actually like a whole culture of people are out there chasing mm -hmm. storms. And um, so that show was actually pretty educational because they talked a lot about how storms moved and how they chased them and what side you should be on. And so it was just kind of like a base introduction. And, and but the rest of it, honestly, was just, you know, sometimes I'd read stuff online about, you know, radar. And I have friends that I started making in the in the I guess like the industry, but in that like realm of, um, you know, the storm mm -hmm. chasers. And so, you know, they would kind of help me from time to time with um yeah this is how you read a photograph and this is what cape is and this is you know this is how the kind of winds you want at the surface for a super you know all these kind of things and so slowly or you know over the last 10 years i've kind of just learned more and more and i'm never you know done learning i i'm definitely more i'm definitely a photographer first i love the weather but man every time someone tells me you should be a meteorologist i'm like no i do not want to go to school for that i do not want to i i don't think the math and the science and the physics and all that stuff, I think I would probably hit a wall. I'm like, I, I like the beauty of them. I like capturing them, but the forecasting and the science behind it is I hit a certain point where like, I just want to know where the storm is going <laughs> to yeah. be and, and what's going to happen this day. So I can be there and photograph it. I don't necessarily get crazy about eh, all the science behind it. I love it. But, and I, but I really want to take photos and time lapse. That's what I really, really love. Yeah. You want the baby, not, not the labor pains. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I do a lot of that. I probably know a lot more than I think I'm probably like, well, you know, I, I just need to know what, you know, the base, you know, um, information to know where to go, but I'm pretty sure, you know, in this, I know a lot more than I think. And I look at mm -hmm. um, radar and forecast maps and figure stuff out, figure out where to go. And I've had plenty of good calls where, you know, I'm, I'm like, this area of Southwest Kansas looks really good in two days, but the, the forecast not saying much. And there's a storm prediction center in Oklahoma that will outline areas where they think severe weather will be in two days out. They didn't do anything a day out. They had nothing. I'm like, I still think it looks good. I'm headed out. And while I'm driving out, that area gets upgraded to like a marginal risk and then like a That's slight awesome. risk of severe storms. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm kind of getting this now. It's kind of a good feeling. So. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to ask you is, are you able to predict it enough to where you're heading out before stuff is actually, you know, hitting the wall, so to speak? Like, Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you have to, especially chasing um, the supercells. You know, I, I live in Phoenix. And, and so for me, I have to drive out there. And um, so for me, I have to leave, you know, at least depending on where they are, at least 12 hours ahead of time. I mean, if there's something wow. in Colorado or Texas, you know, I can get there. I can get to Amarillo in about 11 hours. And, um, you know, I usually leave the night before six or seven, drive all night. 
and I sleep a little bit and then keep driving it to my target area and kind of wait for storms to happen. That's but, awesome. uh, you know, in Arizona, I, I'm here, so it's a little bit easier, but I do, you know, I do figure out when, you know, when the storms are probably going to go off, what they're going to do today. If uh, we have the nice, great conditions for a dust storm happening. So I know to, you know, yeah, I'm going to chase these storms for fun, but I know around five o'clock they're going to kind of consolidate and a dust storm is probably going to form. And so I definitely need to make sure I'm in, you know, good position to get that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, you, you can just go out and see a storm that happened and then try to go chase it and be on it and photograph it. But being there ahead of time, it's, uh, it's way more successful uh, yeah. photography if you if you know it's going to happen and you're there before it happens. So speaking of trying to be in position, uh, I've always <laughs> I've always uh, operated under the assumption that it's always obviously <laughs> best to be <laughs> photographing it from the edges. Um, mm -hmm. But is there a particular side that you want to be on on a storm? As far as like, do you want it coming at you? Do you want it like moving across? in front of you, like from the yeah. side, do you want to be behind it? Where, where's the best place to photograph a storm? You know, again, I, that's why storm chasing is so fun because there's literally, I mean, almost any side of a storm, except maybe the Northeast side where it's just rain and, and murk and you can't see much. Almost any side is beautiful. I mean, if you, if we're just going to talk about a supercell, supercells are usually like an isolated, you know, um, living storm kind of by itself that moves for like a hundred miles and usually like maybe Northeast or Southeast or East or whatever. So we'll just go with like a Northeast moving storm. When you have that isolated storm moving Northeast, you really want to be on like the East side, Southeast side, Northeast side to get that supercell structure that people you know will call like the mothership or whatever that's where gotcha. you're going to see mm -hmm. that kind of flying saucer structure but if you are on that northeast side and the storm is moving northeast then you have to keep moving all the time i <laughs> yep. mean you have to keep moving all the time anyway but if a tornado forms and it's moving northeast and you're there you are you know that northeast side you're in danger of the hail starting to fall on you rain and and, and so it's tougher photography so for me i need to be more on the east side of it maybe southeast side so I'm out of the rain, I'm out of the hail, et cetera, because I want a time lapse. I don't like rain on my lenses. If you're doing still photography, it's pretty e it's a lot easier to, you know, bring up your camera, take a couple quick pictures, and then, you know, wipe off your lens if raindrops get on there or fix it in post. But time lapse, the raindrops just get on there and you can't really get them off and I hate it um, later. Yeah. So so that side is the side you're gonna get structure on. But the great part about it is you can also be on the west side and just get the white clouds billowing up. And that's a whole different photograph. You could get a rainbow on that side because that's where the sun is going to be coming through. Mm -hmm. You know, the south side, you might see something different um, far away. You know, like at night, you can shoot a distant thunderstorm with like the Milky Way and the stars above it. And the whole clouds are just nonstop pulsating flashes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've done, you know, long time lapses of that. So that's the, I don't know, the fun part about storms is you don't really, you, you want to be, you know, for me, I want to be on a certain side where the storm's coming at me because for a time lapse, that's going to be great. But then there's times when I'm like, I'm going to let it go and I'm going to time lapse it from behind as it leaves. And that's really cool. Or as it goes, you know, by me. So there's just so many different angles and, um, and that's what makes it, you know, kind of beautiful. You might get stuck. Mm -hmm. I can't get on the, I can't be on the East side of the storm. So guess what? I'm going to sit here and see what happens on this side. And, and then you could get an amazing photo that way too people that are not familiar with Mike's work, not only is he an amazing stills photographer, but he does lots and lots of time lapse. And that's arguably probably the, I don't know, the, the part that you pour the most work into, I'm guessing. The cool part about time lapse actually is you're doing still photographs. So any, yeah. any, anything that's a really good picture <laughs> during a time lapse, you can create a still out of, and it's wonderful. You know, 
I loved it. I got into it um, in 2011. Uh, my third ever time lapse was that big dust storm that hit Phoenix, and I time lapsed uh, this just monster dust storm, and I put it on YouTube later and in Vimeo, and it went viral, and it was crazy um, what happened with it. But it was this crazy realization to me. I'm like, I love so much time lapsing to see what mm -hmm. that wall of dust is doing, and then people wanted to license it for a bunch of stuff, you know. From you know, was Al Gore had it in some of his climate change um, talks that they did around the world, you know, to talk about you know droughts and all that. And I, you know, N uh, National Geographic interested in it, and the local air conditioning company. And so I was like, started making money from it. And I'm like, huh, this is something that I absolutely would do anyway because yeah, you, you have to stop me from doing it, and people want to pay me for it. So I started you know time lapsing more around Arizona and then I, I'm like I gotta go out and chase these supercells and so I'd pick like a day or two and go out during this like one like two or three days a year I'd go out to the plains and try to get something and that you know I, I was still learning and all that but it was but in 2013 I got the supercell in Texas the Booker supercell and it was that's the one I was telling you about with the cornfield and the orange sky and it was I was crying when I was, when I was time-lapsing, my buddy was there and I'm like, I can't believe after like four years of trying, finally saw like the supercell structure I wanted to see. And not only is it, did I finally see it, but it was like probably like the highlights of the season from, for any chaser that was on it. That's awesome. And, um, and I posted that online and that went viral. And, and so that was you, that was licensed for the Thor movie, uh, the second Thor movie. And it's been, and still get licensed to this day. That's kind of where I think my focus has kind of naturally gone to because it became, you know, a business at the same time where I just can't help but do it anyway. And I, I love stills. I, I, you know, I started, I started like you at a rebel XSI, you know, I started <laughs> on stills shooting lightning and I still love lightning almost more than anything. And getting a good lightning photo is just, you know, it's a thrill no matter yeah. how often I do it, how many lightning photos I have. I have so many lightning photos. I'll never even edit probably thousand of them. And it's just, um, that's great. So I love the stills, but but the uh, the time lapses is kind of the big bulk of my business and uh, workshops and tours and stuff like that. So I do I do tend to focus on that a lot. Yeah, it's a lot harder to license a still. You know, <laughs> it's yes. easier to license a nice time lapse because, like you said, it's it's showing how that cell is almost alive. It's an organism, yes. and that's that's what yep. makes it so impressive and so scary. <laughs> because yeah. you know, when you see something undulating and rolling in, it looks like. Yeah something that just wants to kill you <laughs> That's yeah but i mean and, and there's some that you know i've had this one great day where this shelf cloud kind of came at me and didn't look like much and then it went over me and the clouds were just rolling and it was blue and green turqu turquoise and colors and then later in time lapse sped up it looks like you're underneath an ocean wave rolling yeah. on top of you like the way it's just rolling and i've had so many people see that scene i forget which film it was mine uh vorticity or something but so many people mentioned that specific scene saying that was incredible. And it looked, it just looked like you were like that, the, that the sky is like an ocean. And that's kind of what it is. You know, there's so much, um, I mean, the sky is all, you know, moisture and clouds are made out of, you know, water droplets. And so there is a lot of, you know, similarities kind of to the ocean and, and all that. So when you see it sped up, you see that movement and flow yeah. and, and all that. And it's just, um, it's incredible. And, and you're right. I mean, people, you know, that's stuff that's easier to license for me. Photos are harder for me to license and sell, but, um, I also don't focus as much on it, I guess. <laughs> you know, and there, there's several things that because you're doing time-lapse, it adds so much logistics to, to photographing these storms because you have yeah. to be in a place where you can actually be set up for a while and not have to tear down because you get pummeled with hail or something. 
Right. It's very, um, there's so many, there's so many logistics with it because there's a lot of chasers out there, you know, it'd be like going, it's like, I saw the video of the, um, the, the firefalls in Yosemite where uh, Mike Me- Meswell was panning around and there's so many people there shooting and you have to make sure no one's in your shot. So storm chasing can be the same thing. It's a great, awesome storm in the, you know, the, towards the end of May, guess what? There's thousands of chasers out there. So I have to find, not only am I out looking for kind of flat open ground, but I got to find a f- spot where people aren't going to jump in front of me or I'm not going to have cars or power lines. Um, it's kind of one of these things that's really been tough for me because I will work. I think a lot of people that will chase, they kind of just, you know, they pull over and shoot no matter where they are. Power lines, uh, other people, just mm-hmm. things in the way. And I have to work. I work extra hard to go. Nope. I'm not stopping here. I'm not stopping. Oh my God. It looks amazing. Oh my God. I got to yeah. stop. I can't stop here. I got, can't, I got to wait. There's a dirt road. Get on that dirt road. Oh my God. That's no good. That's no good. There's a hill in front of me. I don't see the bottom of the storm. That's garbage. So it's really, it's really um, stressful to kind of find that perfect spot. But then once you do, um, then you want to make sure you're in the right, you're in that spot where it's not going to, you know, start dumping hail on you or, um, or you have enough time that's going to get really close to you before you have to bail. Those are the, those are the tough things about time lapsing is you don't want to cut it off midway because yeah. it just kind of feels like it didn't that uh, dust storm I shot in 2011. It was amazing and, and it was well received and all the stuff, but I stopped it right before it hit me because it was the most dense dust storm I've ever seen in my life. And I was really worried about my gear. I didn't know I would now I would never have stopped it ever. I would have just kept it going mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and just gotten, you know, insurance to pay for the camera or something. So that kind of, that kind of stuck with me. And so now I try really hard to kind of hang in there and let these storms get almost close enough to hit me at the rain start, the hail or whatever. And then, you know, then get out of there. Yeah. So that brings up the question. Are you doing anything to kind of protect your cameras? Are you using like uh, rain covers, stuff like that? No, I don't use anything. Yeah. I'm pathetic. I, I really, <laughs> I, I don't, it's so hard. You know, I don't even use sandbags for my tripods because I get my cameras out of the car so fast. I literally sometime, you know, I shot a, this tornado that I, in, in 2016 that I've been, I was dying that whole year. I had to get a tornado on time-lapse and I could not get a good view of it. It was in a very tree area in Oklahoma and hills and i found a hilltop grabbed one tripod one camera and i had my phone in my pocket and just ran up the hill and literally had six minutes to time lapse it as it went by and then died out and in that time i don't have time to put up you know um, yeah. rain covers and sandbags and all the stuff it's you have to shoot now i mean there's definitely other moments where i'm like okay I, i'm gonna probably be here for half an hour as the storm slowly moves towards me but for me it's usually such a running gun thing i just don't want to think about the fact that i've got to um, weigh this thing down with a sandbag or cover it with this and that because it just gets in the way of you know pushing buttons and, and getting the time lapse going and so i just don't i don't worry about it for the most part these storms you know I, like i said i try not to be in the rain so if that happens then it's usually time to go anyway and uh, and i don't i don't worry about it too much yeah so what's a typical like gear setup for you how many cameras you're traveling with what's what's your typical gear setup when you go out um, I shoot with, I probably have four cameras with me. I, I time-lapse with two 5DSRs, Canon 5DSRs. Usually one of them always has the Canon 11 uh, to 24 on it, which is just a beastly amazing lens. Um, on the 5DSR, it's just so sharp. And it's so big that the, the wind can't blow it over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it weighs, I mean, it weighs a lot. Um, the only problem is that lens is so, you know, curvy and huge that any raindrops that, that yeah. are near it usually just land right on it. But, For sure. um, but, it's, um, but it's a solid lens and I leave it on all the time so that I don't, I, I lower the risk of dust spots getting on my sensor. And usually 
you know, very, very, very few um, without taking lenses on and off. The other camera, though, I, I do switch around with like a 50 or a 35 or a 135. I try to get different angles on the same storm. So I might be doing one big wide shot. But, uh, you know, let's say a tornado was dropping. I might zoom into that tornado with a 50 yeah. or 135 to get a whole different kind of feel which like dramatically improves the the production value of whatever time lapse you're doing because you can cut into that tighter shot and then cut yep. back to the wide shot cool okay yep exactly and and it also allows you to you know one of them can time lapse a little longer it might get the whole storm coming at you and and um you can be you can have that camera set up for a longer period where the other one shooting with a 50 you might have it you know less time because the tornado might move across the whole you know field of vision faster than it would the wide angle. So you can kind of do, you know, different shots and pan that other one to a, a different part of the storm and, or shoot it behind you. I mean, there's a lot of times I'm shooting a storm coming at me, but I have a great tower going up behind me. So I'll point the other camera all the way to a different storm just to get towering cumulus or whatever. Cool. So just like trying to get as much footage as I can, wherever I stop <laughs> is usually my goal. Um, and then I use, and then now this last year I used a Sony a seven R three to do stills where, you know, I put a, I got a wide, a Sigma 14 to 24 on there. Most of the time I might switch to 50 for lightning and, and all that. And so I put a lightning trigger on it. So that one might be shooting the same storm, the time lapses they're doing, but I've got a the lightning trigger four on there. So if a good bolt comes out, it'll catch it. Or I just walk around and use it to, you know, shoot tour guests that are there with me or, you know, shoot a picture of my forerunner with the storm behind it, like <laughs> nice. whatever. So yeah. that's kind of my run and gun, like actual camera while the time lapses are doing their thing. And then, and then I do have another to bring my 5D Mark IV as well, just in case, you know, I want the, the Sony's doing lightning photography. And then I want the uh, 5D Mark IV with like a port, like a 35 millimeter on there to do like portrait kind of shots with uh, people or whatever. So it just depends on what I can actually do Man. in that short period of time. Sometimes it's a little too much. Yeah, I was going to say it's safe to say that uh, you are not bored when you stop because you're bouncing from camera to camera to camera to camera. Oh, yeah. Trying to I'm keep not bored. Trying to keep front elements clean. Yeah. yeah, trying to do that, trying to make sure that, you know, the lighting changes really fast. So I adjust time lapses in the middle as a storm gets closer to you. A lot of times it gets darker. So you've mm -hmm. got to adjust your shutter speed and you can fix that in post later. But if your time lapse gets too dark, you know, that's like, oh, crap, I got to yeah. you know bump this up a stop or two. And that really stinks. So I'm monitoring, monitoring that on two different cameras while the storm is coming at me and then taking stills with the other one. And also looking at my phone for, you know, making sure, you know, I keep track of where the storm's coming and what, what the road network's like. Like, do I have an escape route? Do I need to go east or south? What, you know, where am I going to go? It's, uh, <clears throat> it's thrilling. It, it can get exhausting, but I kind of got it down now. A lot of people don't chase solo and I usually chase solo and maybe now and then with a friend. A lot of people chasing teams where they've got people looking at road networks and radar while the other guy's driving and all that. And I've kind of just got it down because I learned to do it solo. And um, I love that. I love that time kind of to myself chasing these things. And um, so it's not so stressful for me anymore. Sometimes it is, but it's just it's just thrilling to be in that moment and doing all that stuff, capturing the storm and the wind is blowing. Yeah. And you're figuring out where to go next. And it's just <clears> such an adventure. You don't know. I don't even never know where I'm going to sleep at the end of the day. I mean, it's it's just uh, man, it's wildly fun. And then you get out of the car and you feel very small and vulnerable. And it, and I feel like that feeling is such a healthy thing for a human, you know? Yeah. But yeah. To, to know yeah. just how powerful nature can be. So um, you mentioned something in passing that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Lightning triggers. Have you had success with lightning triggers? And if so, which ones have you had success with and not had success with? 
Well, I've, um, I've used, I think about three of them. And I think the first one was a Nero trigger, which I did not like after a while. I just kept missing stuff. And I had I that same experience with, with it. I hated the <laughs> yep. Nero trigger. Yep. I hated it. And, um, with a passion. And then I cannot remember if I had a different one. I thought I had another one, but I actually did one of my very first monsoon workshops, probably in oh, 2012 or 2013. I had a, a class like eight people and we go to New Mexico and we're trying to shoot lightning. I think I had a Nero trigger at that time. And this older lady who is, yeah, she's wonderful. She's a dear friend of mine, Ruth. She had the lightning trigger four or, or the lightning, maybe it was lightning trigger three, but it was from lightning trigger.com. The, the guy that has it trademarked um, lightning trigger, he actually has that, that word or that phrase trademarked. Oh, wow. And um, she was capturing bolts. I wasn't getting with my Nero trigger while I'm here teaching a workshop on how to, <laughs> you know, shoot lighting and stuff. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like that is insane. Like I need that one. And I had still, you know, those were still kind of new to me. And so I ended up getting the lightning trigger four, which is the, by that same guy, lightning trigger.com. And that is just the best one out there. It costs about 380 yeah. bucks. So for most casual people, they're like, whoa, you know, I think I'll just get a hundred dollar one and see what happens. But if you really want to capture lightning, that's the best one. And yeah, you're, everyone's going to miss every trigger is going to miss a lightning mm -hmm. strike. There's some that just flash once and there's a good chance that your camera is just not fast enough to get it. But lightning bolts that flash multiple times or, you know, just get lucky that that one's the best. And I have tons of success with it. So I swear by it. And I probably sold a ton of them for that guy. Um, even though there's no, uh, no kickback affiliate program <laughs> yeah. or anything like that, but I'm always telling people to get it. And, um, and he's really good. He's, I think he builds them. His name's rich and he, he builds them himself and, and they take a little while to order. So if you want to get one for, you know, spring or summer, you better put your order in now because it might take you a month to get it. I've always gone back and forth between, I think I have lightning trigger, not the, not the newest one, but an older one. And right. I go back and forth between using that or just setting up a time lapse and hoping because, yeah. you know, daytime lightning is so hard because the yep. ambient light is up and you can't get a really long shutter speed to increase your odds. So uh, yep. A lot of times I just set up a time lapse and hope. <laughs> and yep. Well, I actually just posted a YouTube tutorial about a month ago about the best settings for lightning photography. And one of the methods is to just do a time lapse because you, you, you never know. I mean, you can, you do a shot every second on a storm and you're, you're probably going to capture at least one. Yeah. And I've had a storm at the Grand Canyon where my lightning trigger did not capture a bolt. My other camera going at every second or something missed it. But the other one, my third one, doing a time lapse at like every two second caught this amazing, that amazing lightning strike that the other two cameras missed. I'm like, my lightning trigger missed this thing. I can't believe it. But my time lapse going every two seconds caught this magical positive strike yeah. um, on the, on the North rim of the Canyon. And, uh, and so you never know. And then, so that's, you know, if you want to increase your odds, you can, you know, you have a lightning trigger might help otherwise do a time lapse. The best thing to do is at least have two cameras. Yeah, if you there can you do go. it, if you're shooting lightning, <clears> that's the, that's the hard part. That's what people learn right away is they're out there shooting lightning and you're on a great storm and you realize I want my camera pointing in two different directions right now because they're going off here and here and I only have one camera. And so eventually you're going to want to have two or three. And, yeah, especially uh, if you can get the, the time lapses that they're doing just slightly out of sync. That way they're one's firing and the other one's 
things yep. in between frames. Yes. That, that. Yeah, if you're doing 15 second exposures, just stagger them so you don't miss anything. Exactly. Exactly. Something like that. So probably one of the most important things that we can talk about in this in this time together <laughs> is how to stay safe. And I know yeah. like all outdoor photography, outdoor you know, adventuring outdoor activity in general is just getting more and more popular and there's more and more people going out and, and doing this stuff, but they're not always educating themselves on how to best stay safe. So people falling off cliffs, people getting <laughs> hit by lightning. What is the, what are some tips that you can give people just to best stay safe when they go out to experience a storm? Um, well, that's, uh, that's a pretty loaded question. Storm chasing <laughs> is just, it's inherently dangerous. So if you're going out chasing a storm and you don't know what you're doing, you're already probably putting yourself in a dangerous situation. And that mostly applies to chasing like supercells and tornadoes, because if you go out here in Arizona and chase a monsoon thunderstorm, you're probably fine unless you get struck by lightning, but you know, you might have to make sure you're paying attention to flash flooding and stuff like that yeah. on a really strong storm, <clears throat> but you're not going to get blasted with hail you're not gonna have a tornado drop on top of you and and all that so so if you don't know what you're doing and you want to go chase supercells you really need to learn about weather patterns you need to know have good radar so you can follow the storm and make sure you're not in the path of anything really dangerous you know if you're going to go out for the first time and do it i would encourage you to stay at a good distance and kind of learn how they move and 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 just slowly learn instead of being right there like oh i'm going to get this tornado and be right under it like all these people like no just take your time Mm -hmm. and kind of get used to it but you know lighting is probably the most dangerous thing really um and i know a couple of storm chasers who have been struck by lightning and they and they somehow survived but it's dangerous and and so no matter what you do i can tell you that there's lightning gets close to me i set my camera up with a intervalometer you know or a shutter release and, and just back you know, the put it in the continuous <laughs> mode and have it take pictures and i sit in the car and listen to music and watch the storm and and I'm safe and yep. and and I've had lightning really close to me. I've gotten some re like a you know a couple of shots where it's like a quarter of a mile away, and I'm in the car when that happens because I'm pretty terrified of lightning in general. I mean, I love it, and I'll be out there, but if it's really close to me, um, I usually get pretty freaked out and jump in a car. Yeah. So that's about the safest thing you can do. But the fact of the matter is, even if a storm is you know a couple miles away and the lightning is striking out there where like the rain is falling there's there's, a, there's always a chance the lightning bolt could come and get you two miles away i mean you can think you're safe and you're not so you so it's really just what kind of risk are you willing to take and for you know most of us the odds of getting struck by lightning even within a couple miles are very very low so for the most part you're gonna be fine but it's still if you go out and do it it's dangerous if you sit in your car while the lightning's going then that's probably the best thing you can do so yeah but otherwise it's just going to be it's it's unfortunately you know it's a dangerous thing so you just try to do your best and um, the other the other thing that people don't talk about very much that that has been a dangerous thing especially when you're around a lot of other storm chasers is just other drivers yeah you're looking at you're looking at um <clears throat> the storm you're not paying attention they're not paying attention they're racing around especially the you know tornadic supercells and stuff where they're racing through stop signs and things that they shouldn't be doing and um, we had a friend a couple years ago named Corbin who got killed by um, some other chasers that were blowing through stop signs doing 65 and they had it all on live stream and stuff. And they blew through a stop sign and just, just hit them sideways. And they all, they all three died instantly. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, um, and that's like one of the actual, the biggest dangers is really is other people. So you really want to pay attention to that. It's really woke me up to, even if I'm on like 
dirt roads in Colorado where there's no one around, if I come to a dirt road intersection, I mean, I'm slowing down and looking yeah. to make sure absolutely no one's coming, even if there's no stop signs or anything. And um, so, so anyway, those are, the, you know, you want to make sure about other drivers, especially, you know, if you're driving a low visibility, you know, mm-hmm. dust storms and, rain, and heavy rain, you want to make sure that you don't get rear ended. You want to make sure you're not, you know, rear ending someone else. And so that can be a pretty, that can be a pretty dangerous aspect of it as well. Yeah. I mean, landscape photographers, when the light is good, <laughs> we are super distracted anyways. And then yeah. you combine like an amazing once in a lifetime <clears throat> storm that you're driving and trying to chase. Like that is some of the most distracted driving that you'll ever experience. Uh, not only yeah. you, but other people. So totally yeah. can understand how that can get dangerous if people are interested in learning more about storm chasing um where would you point them um well i do workshops in the summer out here for but it's mostly you know kind of a time-lapse photography workshop although i teach um i teach tools on where to look up the weather and kind of look at forecasts and i teach forecasting during pretty much the whole time because everyone's interested in are we gonna get storms today and so i show them where they're gonna might happen and where they're gonna go and all that so i do teach that but i don't know very many good resources i i I honestly learn a lot through just osmosis and finding random things online and i would say if you want to learn about the weather in your you know particular area and what's going to happen you go to your national weather service local weather page and they have forecasts that they post like four times a day and they'll tell you what's going to happen you know you know is the storms are going to come this way and they're probably going to come from this direction it's going to be cold there might be hail and stuff like that so I learned a lot by just reading those forecast discussions kind of on a daily basis, but there's lots of probably tutorials and, and I, I just don't even think I have the resources um, linked at all, but there's guys out there that will have tutorials on how, you know, how to read photographs and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's kind of tough to find that. And there's not a really good general place to go. Here's how you learn how to chase storms and, and study the weather. Yeah. One of the other questions that comes in pretty often is what apps do you have or what apps do you recommend that that might be useful? Like, do you have specific apps that you use more than others uh, for tracking weather? Yeah, I mean, the main app that I tell everyone to get is Radar Scope. Uh, and I believe that's out for Android and it's definitely out for iPhone, but I'm pretty sure it's been out for Android for a while now as well. But that's the probably the best weather app that you can track current weather on your phone. Okay. Radar, um, wind speeds, lightning. You can add extra, you can pay extra to have, you know, lightning strikes and more frames and, and all that. So that's a really key one. And most storm chasers I know use it. They have it on their phone and some people won't even use <clears throat> any other kind of radar. They'll use radar scope and that's it. I have, I will also chase with, um, a laptop or this year I'm going to get a surface pro and I use another program called GR level three, which is uh, a very like n- nerdy radar system, but it's very, the, the street locations and stuff are a little more detailed than radar scope. And so it kind of helps me know a little better of exactly where I am in relationship to the storm. And so that's not really an app. It's just a downloadable, like $80 program you can buy online and, and it only works on windows. And so a lot of storm chasers use that as well. Um, but for the most part, I think I'm, I think that's it. You know, there's other apps to get. If you don't have any good cameras, get like a lightning app Yeah, um, that you can actually hold up your phone and shoot lightning with it. It'll capture lightning. Oh, that's cool. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I always tell people that if you don't, people are like, I don't have a good, you know, the TV stations will call, you know, every now and then they'll call like, hey, can you give like three tips for people who want to capture storms this summer? And they don't usually have good cameras. So what can you do? And so, you know, on your cell phone, I mean, you can shoot lightning at, you know, 240 frames a second in slow-mo, which is really cool. Yeah, I've done that. You can, 
Yeah. And you can do the lightning. Some of these lightning capture apps will, you know, they actually look at the frames and pick out the lightning and will save like a frame away. So you have like a still shot of a lightning bolt and, and things like that. But, but most of the time people really want um, just to be able to track, you know, the storms and what they're doing. So definitely get radar scope is kind of the first thing you get. Awesome. So in the show notes, we'll, we'll put all of this information that we've talked uh, talked about. Mike, thanks so much for all the information and entertainment. I, so I know that you, I'm sure that there has to be at least one story that you could share with <laughs> us uh, where you've been in a sketchy situation. Do you have any that come to mind? Uh, um, well, I've had a bunch of like sketchy situations, but let me see what's a good one. I mean, I've had, you know, my, some of my very first ones uh, when I was out there my first year or two out of Nebraska, I just didn't, you know, I didn't have the experience and, and it was a very hazy day and I had a tornado worn storm coming at me from, Oh, I don't know the West. And I'm like, Oh, I'm in a good spot. I'm South of this town. And so this, this, this storm is going to go North of me and I'm in a really great position to watch it go by and I'm safe. Well, during the like next 15 minutes, another storm blew up South of it. And they're moving to like the east northeast, and so suddenly I realized that storm is kind of coming at me as well. But I can't go south and get out of its way. I don't have time. So now I've got a storm coming at me from one direction, and then if I go north in the town, the other storm's going to hit me. And so, and then I realize I'm low on gas because I'm just stupid. So I drive into this town, and I'm racing while it starts raining, filling up with um, gas, and then I and I'm blasting east. It's get it's dark by this time. And this is the, you know, scary. I mean, I'm scared. I'm like, this storm is tornado warning. I've got two of them coming at me and I've got to get out of the way. It's after dark, which still now I don't like chasing. Yep. I don't like tornado warned storms coming at me after dark unless I'm in a really safe spot. So, um, so even now that kind of freaks me out. So back then, just like at the beginning, it was like terrifying. So I'm like doing 90 or whatever on these back, not a back row, but just these like, you know, two lane highways trying to get ahead of it. And I finally get to a South road, I blast South. And at one point I see this dirt or something blown across the road in front of me. And in my brain, I was like, Oh my God, it's a tornado just rotating right there. And of course it was just dust blowing, but it was just all the stuff on my crane in my brain. Like, what do I, you know, just God, get me through this. Just give me. And then I finally get South of the storm. I'm safe. And I, you know, I get out of the car and I, and immediately the fear is gone. I see these clouds boiling and the, in the lightning, lighten up the clouds and I get the camera out. And it was just majestic to watch the storm go by and hear the thunder and see the whole sky light up. And so it was like, that was one of my first, like just real, like freaky moments. It wasn't, I probably wasn't in any real danger, but you know, when you're first starting out, that's kind of the stuff that can happen if yeah. you're really um, new to it. And you get yourself in a in a tricky position that you're not ready for. Yeah, I would imagine people are much more likely to put themselves in a a very dangerous situation when they're first getting started because they try yeah. to avoid that stuff once they've been doing it for a while. They know better. Well, and then the other thing is, is usually it's the big days that will get the new chasers out. Like, oh, we have a high risk day where it's going to good chance to see a tornado. So that's when they go out. <laughs> and so that's like the day you shouldn't go out. You should mm-hmm. really start learning on the marginal days where you've got, you know, a couple isolated supercells that are slow moving in like June or something where you can really kind of just enjoy it and not feel, I mean, not just get out there with like a giant EF or a giant F4 tornado and and not knowing what's going on. Yeah. So. Isn't there some kind of like rule of thumb, like if lightning is falling more than like four times a minute or something that that's kind of like a, a barrier as far as like you should not be out here kind of thing? Um, I don't know if I know that rule of thumb. I, I mean, for me, you know, I know enough about lightning here that in Arizona that for the most part, 
it usually falls out from where the rain is happening. Right. And that, it's usually like a couple miles away from me. So it, it's just, it's just the lightning that it does seem like if it is really quick, like there's lightning striking every like six seconds and it's kind of all around you. And then you get one behind you. That's when you need to get to safety. Yep. And, you know, we were, we did have a great, um, we were on a great storm a few years ago, me and the, my buddy and a couple, you know, three or four tour guests that were following us. And we got in this great storm and the structure went up. The color was great. And there's lightning striking in front of us. And then all of a sudden we, we see a flash, but no bolts because it landed about a couple hundred feet behind us. Mm-hmm. And the thunder was instant. My buddy goes diving in the ground for whatever reason, <laughs> he lands in the mud and we're all like freaking out. And then we're like, and then I'm like, and I'm, I have the whole camera. I have like a live stream going. I'm like, and we're moving. <laughs> Everyone like grabs their stuff and throws it in the car. We're all just laughing and having a great time. But I mean, it literally was just right behind us. And, uh, and so that's when, you know, that's when, you know, like, okay, we've been here probably too long. We got to get out of here. Cause at that point, lightning's just striking all around you and, and your odds are, your odds are a lot better of, you know, not having a great end of your day. Exactly. I've been in that <laughs> same situation where everything was fine. I was photographing lightning out in front of me. And then all of a sudden it was like 360 degrees around me. And th- yeah. there is nothing scarier than that because you know that if it's happening around you, it's because it's over the top of you. Um, yep. Yep. Well, and these big supercells a lot, they, you know, the, the base of the storm and the rain is in front of you, but the anvils go up and they spread out and there's a lot of cloud to ground that will come out of the anvils ahead of the storm where you think you're safe and a lightning strike will strike like 15, 20, 25 miles away from like the core of the oh, storm. Wow. And you, so you think you're totally fine. And then there's bolts just striking way far away. I mean, we, we always marvel at it. Me and my buddies will have like great, we'll be looking at radars when we're not chasing it. And we'll be like, look at the storm. The lightning bolt there is like 25 miles away from where the core of the storm is. And that's, and so when you've got that going on, that's kind of, that's pretty scary. Yeah, It's impossible to, to be in a safe place at that point because the lightning can happen yeah. literally anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I, and that's kind of what I went back to about the safety aspect of it. Like it's not, it's just not going to be safe. I could be like, well, if you want to chase safely, do this. And then someone gets struck by lightning and, and they'll say, Mike, but you told me I'd be safe. Well, yeah, well it's the weather. And if you're out there chasing lightning and, and this stuff, you, there's a chance that you can get struck no matter what. Yep. I mean, and then there's people that, you know, their car is pretty safe, but I have seen cars that have caught fire mm-hmm. after they got struck by lightning. So just because you're safe in your car, you still might have to jump out you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just a tricky thing. And there's flash flooding and, and that's even, that's scarier if you're not paying attention to what's going on there. Um, so it's just, you just really have to be aware of everything that's going on yep. around you. And, and, and it's a, it's a tricky thing. So it's risky, and you, but it's worth it, at least for me. You, and you have to be prepared to deal with that stuff and not panic. And that's, that's one of yep. the, the hard things. So you don't know that about yourself until you're in that situation, whether you're one of the people that can deal with all of that stress and still think clearly, or if yep. you're somebody yep. that's going to just totally panic and, and make a bad decision. Exactly. Awesome, man. Where can people find your workshops and find more of your work? Uh, if you Google my name, which um, spelled correctly, <laughs> O-L-B-I-N-S-K-I for Olbinski, and my first name's Mike. If you Google that, I'm everywhere, MikeOlbinski.com and instagram and twitter and um flickr and facebook um i I think my workshop information is on my website michaelbinski.com oh and youtube i've been really trying to kind of grow my youtube channel this year I'm, i'm really bad at making videos but i've made a bunch this year and so i'm trying to grow that oh i'm on vimeo too of course and uh but yeah you can find all my stuff there 
Awesome, man. Thanks for coming on and thank all of you for tuning in this week. Take it easy, everybody. 